right, welcome to In My Headache. I'm Aaron Rhodes. And I'm Bill Brownlee. Aaron is the oldest member of Gen Z. Bill is the world's youngest baby boomer. Aaron and I argue about and sometimes agree on the music we love and hate on In My Headache. In each episode, Bill and I debate the merits of two new albums and one vintage recording. In this edition of In My Headache, Aaron and I deliberate over the latest releases from the Mexican pop star Sofia Reyes and the indie folk band Big Thief. We also look back on a landmark 1975 album by the reggae ruffian Uroy. In My Headache is sponsored by the Vinyl Underground at 7th Heaven, offering new and used vinyl at 76 and Truce in Kansas City, Missouri, USA. Uh, Bill, you, you have this, this week's first pick. Do you want to tell me a little bit about Sofia Reyes? Well, before I do that, Aaron, I want to tell you that I've been concerned about how dark and depressing we've been lately on In My Headache. We've been discussing albums that deal directly with mortality and existentialism and spring is here Aaron and you know I like to sit on my back patio and listen to Latin pop and reggaeton that's why I immediately fell in love with Sofia Reyes's new album called uh, Mel de Mores it is a lovely collection of her singles that she's been putting out for the last three years. Uh, she's 26 years old. She was signed to a record label when she was just 12. So she's kind of like uh, Britney Spears or Demi Lovato or Christina Aguilera in the sense that she's always been doing this. But at some point, all those artists put out a grown-up adult album. And that's what she's done here. Uh, Mel Demores is her third album and her first since 2017. It is a springtime album, a burst of sunshine. Uh, like I said, uh, collects singles she's been putting out since 2019. There's some, so there's th two or three songs that are three years old on this. The album plays in my mind like a jukebox of that, that that's loaded with only tangentially related singles. There's no continuity other than it's the same vocalist on every track. This is lightweight, disposable pop, but it's really good, lightweight, disposable pop. It's so much better than uh, most of the pop charts in North America. It's better than Glass Animals or Jack Harlow or whatever else is uh, dominating the, uh, the streams of kids at this moment. Uh, and part of that reason is, is uh, Spanish language pop and reggaeton has rivaled hip hop in the last few years as being the most interesting sonically of all uh, forms of popular music. And you've got a lot of really fun sounds here. 
Do you share my enthusiasm, Aaron? Uh, no. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, I, I almost, I almost butt in, as you said, superior to glass animals and Jack Harlow. And, um, I want to make it known that I believe, uh, the quirked up white boy of the month, Jack Harlow is superior to Sofia Reyes. Um, we no, Yeah. So, um, yeah, you, you, you sent this album over and, um, you see, the thing is, I think, um, remind me, we listened, the, the previous uh, Spanish language album that we talked about was Carol G's last album, we, yes? We did do that, yes. We did, and I came out of that having enjoyed a fair chunk of it, but wasn't really passionate about it. And I, I will recognize that there are songs on Malbea Morris that I did enjoy, but um, again, this is not a cohesive piece of work for me that I mean, I know it's not cohesive in that these songs did come out over the last few years and only a few of them are like actually like brand new songs. But like, uh, I don't know, it, like so in that way, it was kind of, it, as you said, a jukebox it was kind of scattered in its sounds and uh, influences, but um yeah so I went in I listened to like the first couple songs and I'm like okay I'm I'm a little bit interested I, I had no prior experience with her had, had you listened to her before this album had you kept up you know it's one she's in my mind like a playlist artist you know so you mm -hmm. you, you click on a play in my case everyone knows I'm a bad bunny maniac yep. so you know uh, I'll put on a playlist wheeled around bad bunny and she'll pop up you know okay yeah but uh, no yeah this is my uh, first experience with her and so i hear the first couple songs it is you know fairly standard inoffensive latin pop and uh i i was like okay maybe she is she's uh i was you know reading about her online and i knew she was like a kind of a child star a child pop singer before I'm like, okay, she's maybe Mexico's Ariana Grande, answered Ariana Grande, kind of. But then she gets into, and, and I mean, like Ariana, I guess she does have some kind of hip-hop influence in there. So, and then, of course, being from Mexico, she mixes in, like, reggaeton and other, like, Latin uh, rhythms and stuff. But uh, she doesn't have the uh, kind of charisma or just the strength of songwriting that I would give to a an Ariana Grande I accept your criticism but I disagree uh, as we both said this is not consistent there are weak songs here there's a track with Jason Derulo that is pure trash <laughs> uh, there's a song with Rita Ora and Anita that is terrible. No, that I, I singled that one out in my notes that, yeah, like that was just very, it's like, it was like pseudo hip hop lyricism and like a garbage EDM pop beat. Uh, yeah, that was bad. Yeah. And ironically, that's, I think her most popular song, mm. but, but, but 
and 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 here's 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 where people are either going to buy in or uh, opt out. The the first track, Muher, to me sounds like a sexy cumbia remix of Baby Shark. <laughs> Oh my God, I can't believe that sentence was just, it just entered the, entered my ears uh, that I was not, I woke up today and I was not expecting to uh, hear this phrase, but here we are on In My Headache. Um. <laughs> to, to me, that's a very good thing. It's obviously catchy as anything. And it's you're childish and silly, but entirely undeniable. The, the next track, uh, Galena, it uh, has uh, you know a, a rooster crowing. You know, it's it's once again very funny, funny on purpose. It's just a lot of fun. You know, you, sometimes even Bill Brownlee needs to smile. Oh, I. Come on, Bill. You you know I love to smile. We we're we we're just discuss, discussing your your wonderful wonderful smile. You saw your dentist this morning. I think that's awesome. Um, but yeah, no, I I honestly didn't like. I I think what like makes or breaks a, a pop singer for me, like kind of as I describe, like okay, if 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 nobody. If people don't realize, I'm kind of an Ariana fan. I, I, you know, I'm not listening to her on a daily basis. I'm not like fiending over new Ariana Grande music, but like she is one of the most enjoyable current pop singers to me. And all, all the qualities that, yeah, no, like I, I feel like a pop star has to have a certain level of charisma. And I made, I, I made this note as I was. Uh, listening to the songs and I was also watching several of the music videos because I, I you know on, on YouTube you hit play album you search the album name hit play album and if there's a music video for it it plays the music video instead of just the song and even like may, maybe okay maybe my opinions were skewed by the fact that I was watching the music videos maybe I would have enjoyed it slightly more if I was simply listening to the audio the whole time but even in these music videos like she's not like she doesn't come off as like a genuine like and I think I think it's I don't think it's her fault though that's the thing I think because she was signed to a record label at the age of 12 and she's been in the industry for literally half of her life I think like the like life experiences and like just other things that come up with growing up as a you know quote unquote normal person like may have been robbed from her just from the amount of work that she's had to do since the age of 12 and I think that uh so like and you know there are plenty of successful child stars that grow up to make actually great music so i think just it's a a matter of she doesn't have the best writing team and she doesn't have a natural charisma there there is a certain generic quality that runs through a lot of these songs but just because 
she and her voice aren't at the forefront doesn't negate everything. In fact, no, yeah. she's also, to, yeah. to me, to me, it's it's as I said earlier, it's about the production, and the sounds we're hearing here are fantastic. They're not quite at Bad Bunny level, but almost. Yeah. And near Bad Bunny is oftentimes good enough for me. Okay, and, I, I recognize you have a you have a predilection to this to the sound. Uh, I I do I do oh, I. I I, yes. I, I've, I've, I've cracked something here. You're, you, 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 you pretty much essentially shame me for being a genre guy sometimes. And I, okay. And I guess it's because we don't talk about jazz that much. You're kind of a, a jazz genre guy. Like if, if it's involving that you're, you're at least interested most, most times, but you're also a Latin pop genre guy. And, uh, the fact that this is an average enough Latin pop album, it means you enjoyed it. But an average Latin pop album, I guess for me, and p- perhaps it is a, a language barrier. Maybe that I'm I'm fully aware that it might be part of that also. But um, yeah, this one didn't do a whole lot for me. There there were a few songs I did enjoy. I'm not, you know, it wasn't all awful i enjoyed uh idiota that was kind of a fun dance track um i singled out um casualidad that was kind of early in the album okay yeah that's what i i I wrote this in my notes that's that's what my mom would like to call a very danceable track it had a real just kind of like one two three four thump to it you know and i like that one and uh but yeah i um oh i was i was going somewhere with the uh with the okay and uh, to to prove to any listeners who who may who for whatever reason may believe that i am uh dismissive as a whole of spanish language music i would like to say i've not dug as deep enough as deep as i should but i will i will give you that i've enjoyed a couple bad bunny songs like my friend bill here Uh, don't know the whole catalog yet i'll work on that but i did recently hear uh, a a spanish language rapper named mike towers that i enjoyed a great deal and will be returning to so i'm i will give you i will give our listeners that there's one tangent i want to ask you about aaron because i know you'll have a strong opinion about it one thing I did not like about this album is the forced, at least in my mind, forced laughter on a lot of these tracks. <laughs> and I had been so excited about the new Conway the Machine album, but there is that same laughter on every song on that album, which made me, it makes it unlistenable to me. Uh, it was so disappointing that album being God Don't Make Mistakes there's a lot of laughter on this album as well. What's up with this laughing? The laugh, the laughing should be left to the listener, not to the performer. Do you agree? Uh, I, you, I don't know. I don't know why you assumed I would have a, a strong take on this. Maybe because I, I guess I guess you just observed it more closely than I did. Maybe you're you're just tuned 
into the the laugh levels that that I wasn't uh, quite picking up on. Uh, so, do, uh, do you do you want to hear uh, whether it's a rapper or a pop singer laugh on? Uh, tracks? I don't I don't hate every laugh. They're they're like okay. I've there there are plenty. Uh, you you hear Lil Wayne laugh on a a handful at least a handful of his songs and. Those those are quite enjoyable. I think Lil Wayne has a very funny, uh, charismatic laugh at times. Well, laughing is better than saying. And get Kanye, it. a Kanye, a Kanye laugh can be good too. Yes, Kanye has some good laugh tracks. We oh that yo we should make a playlist, Bill. Let's make a collaborative playlist of songs with laughter on them that we enjoy. <laughs> That's a good idea, and and a cringy one of laughter we don't. Ooh, yeah, we can can use the we can send it over to uh, some like if anyone needs to do some audio torture, we can we can send it to, to those people. <laughs> well, uh, there's no laughing on your pick, is there? There isn't, but there's I, I like to I think they're smiling. It may I, I, this is an out. I, I told I told you, Bill, I think briefly in in text, perhaps or maybe even on my Twitter, I, I let loose um, a, a tweet or two about this one. But yes, today um, my pick was Big Thief's Dragon New Warm Mountain, I Believe in You. And as you may tell from the title, it's a, it's, it's very, it's a, it's a, it's a very light, beautiful type of album. And I, I, didn't have a good word there. I apologize. We'll, we'll get to good words I have written down in a moment here. But to catch anyone up, Big Thief is an indie folk indie rock band from Brooklyn, New York. They were formed in 2015. They released their first two albums on indie rock label Saddle Creek, and their last few have been picked up by 4AD. Um, I will say that I have not listened to the first two albums in full. I certainly need to at this point, um, but I was, I was exposed. There was what one could call a hubbub on Twitter, on music writer Twitter about them uh, a year or two back when they released their last two albums, I believe in the same year, either 2020 or 2021. Uh, but, okay, see, I stay as far away from indie rock Twitter as I possibly can as an indie rock fan because it's just filled with the most like sensitive, like just hysterical, awful people there are really. It's not good. Um, but among, among these indie rock music writers, my, okay. So I don't, I don't know the full grasp of this situation, but from what I understand there was a backlash among music writers for how much praise the last two 
Big Thief albums were getting in their album reviews. Like everyone was like, hey, you guys need to chill out with loving this band. You love this band too much. And some people were like, no, fuck you. We love this band. And I, from what I understand, that's what happened for like an entire week. And there were Twitter, like flame wars over, <laughs> over these two albums. So I listened to both of those just because of all this excitement. And I, I didn't hate them. They, they didn't like particularly strike me. But then last year, I believe I heard um, Adrian Lenker, the uh, lead vocalist and guitarist in Big Thief, her solo album songs. And uh, it, that's a fairly straightforward kind of indie folk album. But, and, uh, but it also has an accompanying album called Instruments or Instrumentals. Uh, I forget which instrumentals um and that's just it's basically one long track that is kind of near ambient but like i think still done in an indie folk type of style but i was very i i was i loved uh songs uh, by adrian lenker and so i was very excited for what was next to come from her band big thief and that is dragon newborn mountain i believe in you as i said before um it it just completely won me over first listen and um yeah for a little uh background it was recorded in four different sessions in four different locations upstate new york topanga canyon the rocky mountains and tucson each time they had a different engineer but their bassist max was producing uh they had 45 full songs by the end of this, I think, year plus long stretch. And they trimmed it down to 20 songs for this double album. And um, in short, my pitch is that it is just a very free-spirited, minimal album that that evokes feelings of joy, wonder, and optimism throughout. Bill, did did Big Thief's new album make you feel this way? No. I don't know. I don't even know what you're talking about. Oh, my God. When, when I go to a party oh my God. among my peers, Aaron, or what? some kind of social... How, how, event, often, how often is this happening? How often are you it's starting to happen now that it's warm out. Yeah, no, that's nice. That's good. Yeah. So people who know what I do will come up to me sometimes and say, oh, Bill, I know you love music and I am so excited to tell you that I'm listening to this new band called The War on Drugs or Dawes or Nathaniel Rateliff. And I think to myself, you know, I'm glad you're enjoying that. And I'm glad that music exists for you so you can... (laughs) So you, so because you feel an obligation to listen to new music, but you don't really want to listen to new music, that's why the War on Drugs is there, or Dawes, or Nathaniel Rateliff. And now they can add to that list, Big Thief. This is new music for people who really don't want to listen to new music. That's a, Bill, I'll, I'll give you so much as that's a take, and that's a, that that is a bill take and i appreciate how bill of a take that bill take is (laughs) 
<laughs> but no, I, I disagree with you. As as I was on as I was listening to this album, I I think there are several moments on this album where the band shows that despite they have a somewhat traditional songwriting approach, you know, this sound it, it is reminiscent of 60s, 70s folk music and rock music and you know revivals of those sounds that have even come before but there there are moments i think you can find where it i think it's evident that if if at least the band doesn't listen to lots of new exciting experimental music or like as an interest in that like i i think they are innovative enough to be to be relevant like be, I, I think it's just evident in in some of their arrangements that like maybe they listen to hip-hop or r&b or like there, there are moments where like the percussion on the song time escaping is really wonderful i don't really understand how it happens it, it almost sounds like perhaps like the there's just a guitar being like tapped on like the body of it or the strings somewhere on it. And uh, there's like, I don't know. And uh, heavy bend uh, kind of almost feels like an acoustic R and B song to me, just from these like loud kind of drum hits that kind of drive it. Um, I, I, that's, it feels very kind of un, unorthodox for what otherwise would be, a traditional indie folk album uh build will you recognize there there are some points of progressive or uh experimental thinking on this album yeah as you said there are different sessions that these were recorded at i assume at least one of those they went for this more kind of trip hop-esque sound in the production and yeah. and by the way the production throughout even the lo-fi acoustic tracks i think is really cool yeah i don't have a problem with that and you know what i don't even have a problem with big thief yeah do, because it's, it's i'm not mad i'm not mad at them i just don't think they add anything to this 1972 sound or i don't think they're they they're they're inferior to their influences in that sense but yes there are a few tracks that do sound like they belong in 2022. I just don't think they're that great. They're fine. They're they're fine. Uh, I, yeah. I, I, what I, I'm glad people my age have Big Thief, to you know, <laughs> so they can pretend that they are enjoying new bands and they're they're staying up on things. But I am concerned when a young person like you, you know, is is bowled over by this. You know, it makes me think that. You know, the, the next time we talk, you're going to be telling me how much you like the solo albums by Sting, or maybe you'll 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 be asking me what my favorite tracks by the Eagles are, because that's the next step. Yeah, what's the what's the uh, is it every every breath you take? Is that is it, that's that's, <laughs> that's, that's that's a banger. That's a good one. Yeah, he has at least one, and yeah, but, uh, Eagles haven't gone there yet. I I know it gets. It gets pretty bleak. I don't know if I will ever hit uh, Eagles, uh, Bob Seger vibes. Uh, maybe I will. 
uh, Maybe because will if I, I, make I, I just like rock music is is the thing. Um, so yeah, I just I'm I'm just not sure you know where the enthusiasm's coming from. Here, uh, the, I'll play the tracks I like. Okay. Certainty is kind of like a good fake Graham Parsons song. Little Things does have that electronic thing you're talking about. That's probably the best one of that type. There's a song called Love, Love, Love that sounds like uh, almost as good as uh, really good Lucinda Williams. That's fine. And then the, the last song, uh, The Blue Lightning, yeah. is, uh, it just made me think of you, Aaron, when uh, Adrian sings, I want to be the wrinkle in your eye. I, thought, you know, I really did think the first time I heard that, I'm like, oh, I hope I'm the wrinkle in Aaron's eye. I, I haven't quite deciphered that line yet. And so I don't know how to feel about you saying that, Bill. Uh, pause. Uh, but, uh, um, are, are you not also, like, I recognize that um, as an anti-genre guy, uh, air quotes, as we just established a moment ago, um, will you not recognize that Adrian Lenker's voice is kind of amazing. Does that does that not do enough for you? The fact that she she has this like it's either a lilt or a vibrato or both, but she's singing in the most like very pretty hushed tone. Like that her her voice alone just floors me sometimes. I think her placement is always great but her voice itself no i I think it's an awful instrument you know the this album would have been improved dramatically if it was uh if if a traditionally good singer like linda ronstadt say since we're talking about 1972 if linda ronstadt in her prime were to sing these songs with Big Thief, the album would have been several notches better. Okay, that's, that's, a, that's a take. I'm not gonna, not gonna fight you on that. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I guess I maybe I'll just run through. You, you did a few um, tracks you enjoyed. Um, uh, I think, okay, I, I, I did specifically also write Trip Hop Rhythm on blurred view maybe that was the song that uh you were thinking of maybe you didn't write down the title um that's kind of of like uh what what, you know what i wrote down lukewarm radiohead Ooh, that's that's just that's just fucking rude bill honestly because lukewarm radiohead is radiohead um (laughs) but that's that's a discussion for another time i Uh, I will argue with you there (laughs) great no yeah so um i i i did love like the the kind of like psych like psychedelic like hypnotic fuzzed out jamming on little things you mentioned that was one of your favorite songs as one of mine as well um oh i kind of also okay no i'll i'll end on the one that i think will get a reaction out of you um i i loved red moon i thought it was just this very infectious euphoric piece of kind of americana country folk with the fiddle solo and they're kind of hollering once or twice it's great uh no reason had the same energy just a little more subdued that was another one i liked wake me up to drive is 
that's that's a that's a song about like falling in love on a road trip and that's very beautiful to me uh it's very romantic uh a similar vibe on simulation swarm and blue lightning i yeah i wrote down the wrinkle in your eye lyric and i yeah i want to live forever till i die that's just that's cute that's fun that's great it's happy that we're, we're I, I i like i do appreciate that we both picked albums that make us feel good this week even though we did not agree on which ones make us feel good um but okay the one i i feel like you will absolutely have hated but um i want to hear you talk about for fun oh can you guess what song i'm gonna say promise is a pendulum no spud infinity oh yeah <laughs> I, I, Yo, I okay like... where's that where's that sound come from like the meow, 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 meow. like is that well, that's not a banjo is it like what what is that no, it's it's what I will euphemistically call a jaw harp. You know, it's like a little metal device you put in your mouth and twang on. But most people don't call it a jaw harp. Most okay. people call it something else. But okay. it's twenty twenty two, and I don't I don't do that. Okay. Uh, yeah, I like that that instrument exists. But again, Aaron, the the problem is. I've listened to and love all the albums by the band at least their first five albums. And they, they're clearly channeling the band intentionally. And again, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh-huh. You know, I'm glad they like the same music I like. And that's the thing. Yeah. They, they do like good music. Yeah. They're just not as good at making it. I understand. Yeah. So, so again, I'm not mad. I don't have a hot Twitter take here. I just yeah. don't, I just, uh, I just, they inspire no strong emotions in me whatsoever. Un- understandable. Uh, so uh, uh, I, I thought I had some like goofy, funny uh, end take to transition with. I'm scrolling through my notes to see if I can find it. The listeners are so engaged right now. They love that I'm talking at this pace as to uh, stall for time. Uh, okay, Bill, just tell, tell us about our last album today. <laughs> yeah, well, you have to start by imagining your friend Bill in junior high school. It's 1975, and I'm in a record store. He's been shoved into a locker. Oh, oh sorry, go on. I was, I was actually, it, I wasn't beat up until I was uh, in high school. In junior high, I was still, okay, still. a kind of a cool kid. Okay, cool. <laughs> I'm sure you were the, the coolest. Go on. You're at the record store. At the record store. And Bob Marley has yet to cross over. But, you know, you're, you're starting to see, you know, headlines with this Jamaican's name. And so, so there some record stores have actual reggae sections, but most people don't know how to pronounce the word unless they've heard the Stevie Wonder song, Boogie on Reggae Woman. Uh, Johnny Nash's I Can See Clearly was a hit that's kind of reggae in 1972. Desmond Decker had a novelty hit in 68 called Israelites, but- That's a banger. Reggae is still totally unknown. And in the record store, in the maybe the reggae section that has 
five to 10 albums in it. There is an album cover with this maniacal looking guy squatting down in the dirt, holding a hookah, blowing a cloud of smoke at the camera. The album is called Dread in a Babylon. It's by a guy named Uroy. And the song titles just blew my mind. Songs like uh, Dreadlocks Dread, The Great Psalms, Natty Don't Fear, African Message. On top of that, Aaron, it was, the album was on Virgin Records, which you know had a certain cachet back then, uh, Richard Branson's label, yes. And I thought, I've got to find out what this sounds like. And besides, it's going to make my parents so angry when they see this album cover. So I bought it. And the outlandish album cover pales in comparison to the music on this album. Uh, this guy, Uroy, he blurts, squeals, grunts, growls. It's this absolutely berserk form of rapping that's kind of like jazz scat, but yeah, he's it's cool. He's toasting. He's toasting. But it's, it's like jazz scat, but it's not corny. It's cool. I'd never heard anything like it, obviously. And returning to this album now, th what, 37 years later, it's, it still surprises me. And it still sounds completely bonkers. But I'm so curious to know what someone who wasn't born when this album uh, came out makes of this. Hit me. Uh, okay, Bill, have we discussed at all um, my, I'm, okay, I, I, I'm sure I'm going to bore any listeners if this has come up before, but I don't think, I think this is our first, is this our first reggae album we've discussed? It is. Okay, then I will do my spiel. I um, was shown Bob Marley and the Whalers as a young child by my father. He had seen Bob Marley at uh, the Hoke Auditorium in Lawrence, Kansas, while he was a student. Um, he, I think, he just gave me. Uh, is it called? Is it is it just called Legend? The uh, the Bob Marley yeah. compilation. Yeah, that's the greatest hits. Yeah, yeah. He gave me that CD as a kid. I listened to it all the time. I love all those songs. And um, eventually, in middle school. Um, I was getting into what you would call epifat punk, like Epitaph and Fat Records, NoFX, Rancid, uh, Bad Religion, all that Descendants, all that stuff. And so by getting into that stuff and then also having like friends who like skated and were like starting to smoke weed and all that stuff, um, I was shown Sublime and that kicked off a very regrettable um in in at least its length um reggae rock phase in my life that ran concurrent to even me getting into hardcore punk like i i i was going to diy shows and still like going to see like slightly stupid every once in a while it was pretty terrible 
Um, I should have known better at that point, but, um, and I still have a deep appreciation for some of those bands. Like, you know, they, they hold a place in my heart, even if a lot of those records are objectively pretty bad. Um, but that being said, I, um, you know, going to see all those bands, like, like going to see Slightly Stupid, 311. I saw Sublime with Rome several times, Pepper, Iration, Pacifier, all these bands. They're all very reverent to the, the OGs of the genre. Like you have to give them that much. Like a lot of people in their own genres don't always give it up to the, the pioneers of said genres. But in my experience, the reggae rock guys were always very good at that. And uh, so I started hearing, I, you know, I heard uh, Sub- Sublime do 5446 uh, by Tetsu the Um And, you know, I, I, I got into Toots. I got into Jimmy Cliff. I got it. And so, and so while I, you know, there, I didn't have a lot of chances to see the, the OGs of the genre as a, as a teenager. So I was seeing the reggae rock shows, but over, over the years, I have I have seen Toots and the Maytals, Sly and Robbie, the Scottalites, the Whalers, Lee Perry, thankfully, rest his soul, amazing experience, pioneer. Um, Jimmy Cliff is still on my bucket list. I really hope I get to see Jimmy Cliff. But um, that being said, Uroy was um, a, a singer that I never, um, I'm sure I heard a song or two here and there but I never really went deep on Uroy. Um, I think actually until he passed last year, I think last year uh, was the first time I listened to this album in full, seeing that it was kind of his one, his first big record. And um, I think, I don't know. I've, I, I think this album is very like extreme. It's extremely well-produced. It was, uh, as I was looking through the notes and everything, uh, he was backed by Skin, Flesh, and Bones, which featured uh, Sly of Sly and Robbie, and the Soul Syndicate, who featured members of the Whalers. So two like reggae backing like super groups and just amazingly like crisp, great production. Um, so that being said, the, all the tracks sound like immaculate. They, it's like that's this is as good as. 70s reggae can sound um that being said not every song really pulled me in i wasn't blown away by like maybe half of the songs but that 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 being said i i could very very casually just listen to this album and have a good time but and and but there are also like a handful of songs that did really like uh impress me um so if 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 you want to because okay so what i understand about this uh we, we have to do this when we're talking about music like pre-80s i have to do my best to uh zero in on what was happening in that genre at the time like kind of like when we talked about the johnny taylor album previously um if i am correct in my l- brief uh studies of this time in the genre they're kind of okay so like reggae emerges from 50s and 60s ska and rocksteady in jamaica which was basically influenced by the import of uh rhythm and blues records from america 
and kind of grew out of R&B and doo-wop and that kind of stuff. Um, so at this point in the mid 70s, it's moved, it's kind of gaining some steam as its own true genre. And there are like, kind of like the Johnny Taylor album, there are bits and pieces of the kind of more traditional roots of the genre. But then there is also this kind of new flair and dynamism, which is reggae dub, which is like these reverberated drums and these very kind of like these little like jam moments. Um, so you get a little of both on this album. So I, I get the impression that this is kind of a crossroads moment in the genre, correct? That's my understanding. As I said, you know, the, there was in the United States, there was so maybe outside of, you know, it's certainly in the Midwest where I was and we still are. There was no way to hear this stuff. You just had to buy whatever you could find at the record store. And yes, this was the first time I heard dub where in which the, the production uh, would drop the guitars and the voice and you'd hear maybe just a bass echoing or a drum echoing so it's it's crazy psychedelic but it's not it's not hippie stuff like big thief it's it's all about the rhythm and and the vibe and and with you roy's toasting over the top you know a, a lot of this is just nonsense uh you know verbiage it's it's gibberish that much of the time so i don't don't even focus so much on what he's saying it's but a a lot of it is rooted in oh i was going to ask you this um a a certain amount of the lyricism on this album where where it does happen is rooted in uh rastafarian uh religiosity religiosity is that a word who knows um but so did this I, i wanted to know if this album appealed to you as a christian as someone who enjoys like gospel and praise in their, in their music. I've always loved the Rasta songs referencing old Testament tales. Zion. Yeah. It's, 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 you know, it, it thrills me. Yes. Yeah. But I really get the impression in this case and dread in a Babylon that this is, and I mean, no disrespect. This is kind of empty sloganeering. He knows the Rasta phrases and he employs them, but I don't think there's any real intent behind them other than just to make the Rastas that might pick up the album nod their heads. I I don't know how Mm -hmm. deep-seated his Rastafarian faith was, at least not on this album. Yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't go deep on the the lore and any specific uh, biblical tales or uh, religious uh, decrees. So I will give you that much. I'm not going to go as far to accuse him of uh, not practicing the faith, but um, no. Yeah. So like, like I said, uh, about half of this album is kind of just, yeah, solid, well-produced reggae dub music with traditional kind of roots in in some moments but um a few of the songs that did really catch me were um wait did you were were you just speaking about natty don't fear that that is one of the the favorites of mine 
um the 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 echo the reverb on the the drums is dialed up to fucking 10 and i can just imagine hearing that on a like out at a nightclub in jamaica or like blasting from a car or whatever that's a a super fun song he's basically just shouting as he toasts on that one that's like he's he's like the most agitated on that one and it's super fun to hear him get into I don't know. It's kind of like it. It, it is like punk rock in a in a way. Like the the music is blasting and he's just shouting along with it. Like I'm sure he like he's in the studio with big headphones and he's hearing all of this insane noise and he's just like letting loose. And that's always fun to listen to. Yeah, it's moments like this, Aaron, that make me glad I'm the age I am because. I, my experience was pure. Yeah. You got to buy a house for a a decent price. Uh, You got to, no, sorry, go. All that. Yeah. (laughs) But, but, but I, I've seen all the California stoner reggae bands that you mentioned, slightly stupid and all the rest. And they are good at what they do, but to have to work backwards from that would spoil the experience on something like uh, 1975 U Roy album, and I'm sorry for you for that. No, yeah. What I what I will say is that um, okay. I was I was you know I when, whenever we do an, an older artist, I, I do a, a Wikipedia dive at the very least, and uh, it's it says that he was influential to, of course, artists like Shaba Ranks and Sean Paul. And I think it's not hard to argue that he does those, those two artists take this kind of sound that he helped pioneer and like, they make it much more like modern and uh, like more, more crude and intense in some, in some aspects, even though it's not as not, not crude as in like raw, but crude as in like lewd. Uh, so I, I think you're right in the fact that my mind would have been more blown by this album had I heard it before I heard any reggae rock or modern dance hall and dub, but yeah. And here's the point I was going to make, Aaron, you, you referenced, uh, punk rock. Having heard this Uroy album in 1975, I still loved the Clash and the Buzzcocks and all these first wave punk rock bands when they came out. But they sounded not nearly as dangerous as Uroy or the Wailers and all these other mid 70s reggae albums. So my enthusiasm for punk rock was tempered by knowing that this much harder rawer more dangerous music existed coming out of jamaica oh and on a on a reggae note i'm i'm guessing the maybe the first time you felt the same raw like just the rawness of songs like that i don't fear in punk rock maybe was on the first bad brains album you like with hr's just guttural screams like that's that's not far off from where Uroy was at. Yeah, the, the Bad Brains certainly fused 
the punk and reggae as well as anyone maybe other than the clash yeah and i guess i guess they don't I, I feel like they don't i've never heard anyone talk about this personally maybe it's been written about but i guess they don't get the credit for you uh fusing not just you know having the kind of more tranquil reggae songs on their album but you know like yeah they they had this same like primal scream of of Uroy on their hardcore tracks so yeah that's a shout out to Uroy for being proto bad brains in a in a unique kind of way uh was was there anything else on this album you wanted to hit bill no i hope that anyone who's made it this far in this podcast immediately turns us off and uh turns on this Uroy album again or the big thief album it's really good (laughs) because because this this is a public service in that regard so please please do it and uh I won't even be mad if you listen to slightly stupid afterwards. <laughs> That's great. Oh, maybe, maybe I'll continue my uh, running gag from the early pandemic where I listen to all of the reggae rock albums that those bands put out after I stopped listening to reggae rock, just, just to like bore myself and like see if there's actually like one good one in there, you know? Like, is there a good new Pepper album? I wonder. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, no. Uh, subscribe to the, the Shellcock podcast feed wherever you're listening to this. Uh, go to at Shellcock Mag on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Shellcockmusic.com is the website. Shellcockmag.bigcartel.com is the web store. There are new t-shirts that I finally put on the web store. Uh, they're really funny and cool and great and you should own one and you can go buy it on the web store and uh, Bill, where can people find your shit? Thanks for reminding me about that new t-shirt. That is my favorite t-shirt and I do need to buy one. Oh, so I, I, I will uh, look, look, look for something, uh, look for money coming your way and I'm glad to spend it. I, I'm uh, happy to drop it off. I'll just holler at me. At There Stands the Glass, my top February albums and, and songs are up. Obviously Big Thief isn't there, but Sophia Reyes is. Uh, I also document Kansas City's jazz scene at plasticsax.com. Uh, thank you, Aaron, for uh, doing this post-dentist today. Of course, I hope, you're, I hope you're not in pain of any sort right now, no? I feel great. I feel great. Uh, that's that's, that's a, a, a Hillary Clinton line. If anyone is, a, if we got any uh, pantsuit nation listeners, <laughs> oh boy, I hope we don't. Um, maybe I'm I'm sorry. I she she's a nice lady. Um, we'll see you next time on on in my headache. Thanks for listening. <laughs>